0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. We are live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. So if you guys are here watching live on YouTube definitely hop in the live chat and let me know your thoughts on what success will look like for Oregon football in 2022. And if you guys are watching on the replay, go ahead and hop in that comment section and let me know your thoughts. Want to kind of know how you guys are going to gauge success for the Ducks in 2022, which is Dan Lane's first year as a head coach. Welcome back to another episode, you guys. We are rocking and rolling here. It is Saturday, June 18th. I'm Recently back from vacation, kind of running around uh, today as I'm hitting the road again, but wanted to hop on here and uh, just knock out a quick episode and keep you guys uh, stocked with, with all that Oregon Ducks content that you want. So, today we're going to be talking about what success looks like for Oregon football in 2022. There's a couple of different things that I'm going to be hitting on in this episode, a couple of different factors that I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about as well. And, you know, some of them kind of have different priority levels, right? You know, some of them would be nice things to have that they didn't have last year. And then some of them, I think, are just straight up necessities that you need to have if you want to uh, have a healthy outlook for 2022 and beyond. So just talking about kind of some big picture things with next season and, um, some specific games that a lot of people obviously have their eyes on. September third, starting things off with Georgia, the defending national champions, out there in Atlanta. Uh, not a neutral site game by any stretch of the imagination. With that being a home game for Georgia, we're we're all not uh, let's not kid ourselves there. But I think if you can't win that game, you definitely want to at least keep it competitive, right? A lot of people want to talk about, oh, Georgia lost a lot of talent, and I think that definitely does help Oregon and their chances, but Georgia is still Georgia. They've been recruiting at a top five level for, I want to say at least the past five years, that's never been a concern really under Kirby smart. So even though they are losing a lot of guys, they're getting a lot of dudes from that 2022 class as uh, 2022 classes across the country are the, the kind of other half of them are arriving at their various campuses Obviously, Oregon had a a pretty good amount of early enrollees, especially for being a program in transition. Uh, So same thing's happening at uh, at Georgia and other schools. But um, Sir Mellis, I saw he just got to Oregon today um, as a member of the Class of 2022. Kamari Terrell, defensive back out of Texas, just got to Oregon too. So I think if you can't win that game, you at least want to keep it competitive. But I think after beating Ohio State last year, uh, the talent that they have on the roster now. I think that there's reason to be confident that the Ducks can win that game. Do I think it's likely? Do I think that's gonna happen? Not necessarily at this point right now. I don't think I'm ready to say that. But uh wouldn't be shocked if they if they uh could at least keep that thing competitive because that's the first game of the Dan Landing era, but it's a really hard barometer um because they are a program that is breaking in a new head coach. But it's also going to be a good barometer because it's gonna say, hey, we beat Ohio State last year, but how do we match up now? What did we learn from that game? Are we able to keep that consistency against those top, top level opponents? So it starts with UGA as far as uh, games that we're looking at. Um, but then there's a couple other ones within the PAC 12 slate that I think um, you really want to hit on, right? You, you got to, I think you want to beat Utah, right? The the, the Utes come to Eugene to play at Autzen this year. Um so I think if you can beat Utah and get back on track, uh, I think that that's a huge help. Utah is looking really scary right now even after losing some guys last year. They have Cameron Rising who's I don't know like a maybe a, at worst like a top 3, top 4 quarterback in the Pac-12. Let me know your guys thoughts on Cam Rising. I'm super high on him after the awesome season he had last year. Have some really talented running backs coming back. Their their defense is always super solid even after losing Devin Lloyd. Nephi Sewell, guys like that. They got Clark Phillips, one of the top cornerbacks in the country uh, for that 2021 class. It might have been 2020, but uh, if you guys have been following Oregon recruiting for a while, you know that Oregon was definitely on uh, his radar, and he was a former Ohio State commitment and then super late in the cycle, ended up flipping to the Utah. So I know that Kyle Whittingham super happy that he was able to get Clark Phillips in the fold in that class. He's been a dude for them in that secondary. So beating Utah, I think, is big and beating Stanford is another one that I think is super important. Not technically a rivalry for the Ducks, but that is always a huge, huge game that one way or another kind of ends up having implications for, for both teams. Stanford's been awful the past couple of years, but they uh, got the best of Oregon last year. People want to talk about KT getting ejected, which was pretty garbage. Um, and then just the the way that the the – Calls unfolded at the end of that game was were definitely tough, but then you see, you know, the Anthony Brown missing C.J. Verdell on that that read option pitch. There's a lot of things that didn't go Oregon's way. Uh, Bennett Williams having that freak injury leading up to that game. Joe Moorhead not being available. So all of that aside, you want to beat Stanford. They've really, I think, kind of established themselves as no matter how they play or how they're doing in a season, they're always a team that's going to give Oregon their their best shot. Um, so I think that's a huge game. Let's talk about Oregon State, too. Oregon State and Washington, those are the rivalry games. You know how much satisfaction Oregon and their fans get from just beating UW all the time. Uh, that they, they got a, a couple over on the Ducks, um, especially in 2016, that 70-21 to 21 beat down in Eugene. We don't have to talk about that one too much, but we know how much that game means to both fan bases. Those teams just absolutely hate each other. They were able to beat Washington last year. And, uh, you know, they're obviously a program that's rebuilding right now. So you definitely just want to take advantage of that and uh, shouldn't be a game that you have to worry about just because of the huge gap in talent uh, that they have at those two respective schools. So you definitely got to be Washington. We're still talking about what a successful season looks like for Oregon. And then Oregon State, I think Oregon State's probably the number two school in the Pac-12 North now. Things are looking as steady as they've ever looked under Jonathan uh, Smith at Oregon State in Corvallis um they were really competitive last year and they have one of their stronger seasons in recent memory so you've got to make sure that you handle things against the beavers you've got to go to corvallis to research stadium which hasn't been a, a raucous environment by any means they're actually re- rebuilding some of it remodeling some of it so they're not going to have that finished until 2023 i think i saw i was doing some research yesterday like fall 2023 so those are some some big games that i think oregon really wants to win and then you want to win the pac 12 right I think one of the hardest things right now with with Dan Lanning coming into coach right now is you have to take into account that he's a first year head coach. But look at the timing when he's coming to Oregon. He's coming to Oregon right in the middle, if not a little bit past the middle of Oregon's championship window. 2019, they were a prime candidate to reach the playoff until they couldn't get things done against Arizona State. Last year they looked like they could have been a potential playoff contender after beating Ohio State, but then everything fell apart after that first Utah game. And then Mario Cristobal uh, went to Miami, and, and those rumors were were just super, super loud. After uh, you know, heading into that Pac-12 championship game, we didn't see any adjustments. So things definitely didn't end on a high note for the Ducks. But that's the expectation now. If you're an Oregon fan, winning the Pac-12. And I'd argue going farther than that. Oregon fans are probably at the point now where a Rose Bowl title isn't enough. There, I mean, Rose Bowl titles are great and everything, but they want more. Oregon fans want more, and I'd argue that Oregon wants more. I think that we've talked to the players last year, and you know, they've said, you know, we can we can run the pack and, and win the Pac-12, but we're coming for that Natty. And you have recruits that are in the 2022, 2023 classes, and they're all saying the same thing: we want to go for that Natty. I don't know if that's uh, a reasonable expectation right now but if you're not going to get that you at least probably want to go win the Pac-12 and be in a great spot to make it back to the playoffs something they haven't done since that 2014-2015 season. So I think those are some some interesting marks to to hit on right now. And then just talking about landing some more, I think if you're him as a from a coaching standpoint, you want to prove that you're an asset as a coach, as a head coach. When push comes to shove, When the game is on the line, you want to be a difference maker in what you're calling on the field, who you're sending out there, what kind of pressures you're sending, what kind of plays you're drawing up. Because I think that was a lot of people's problem with Mario Cristobal last year. I'm not trying to bash the guy as a head coach. The the dude can recruit his tail off. He can develop some awesome offensive linemen. But I feel like that's kind of a consensus right now with his perception nationally is that he just he's not all there as a head coach in terms of being a difference maker in close games. Um, And you just look back, look no further than those games against Utah. How how did we basically see the same result against the same team two weeks apart from each other? It just, it, it doesn't add up. It doesn't happen when you are a really strong head coach. So, you know, obviously a lot of good things happened when he was at Oregon and, he definitely left Oregon in a better spot than it was when he got there. But I think that's going to be what a lot of people kind of keep in mind when when you're looking at what success looks like for Oregon and Dan Lanning in, in 2022. Is he a difference maker when it comes to X's and O's? We already know we can recruit in the short amount of time he's been here, the six months that he's been in Eugene. he's He resurrected that 2022 class like that. And then this 2023 class is rocking and rolling. It's humming. And I think we might even see some guys hop in the fold um, possibly this weekend or maybe even next weekend, that June 24th visit weekend. But that's something that I'm really going to have my eye on. Uh, if the Ducks need a stop, if the game's on the line, you know they need to keep their opponent off the field or force a, a, a turnover or hold them to a field goal or um, just keep them from scoring. Can the defense do that? And, and can we see the players buy in? and and you know really show up when it matters most because that quite frankly just didn't happen when it needed to at times last year let's just be honest about it so I think that's going to be an interesting thing to kind of judge here um let's see let's talk about the offense a little bit I think that you want to see an explosive offense no doubt about it we all saw a really good sample of that in the spring game but it was just a spring game you know playing it's it's guys in green versus guys in yellow. It's still Oregon on Oregon. So it's a little bit hard to draw too much from that. I think we can all agree on that, but you want to see an explosive offense, see these guys utilize, especially the wide outs and, and the running backs, the tight ends too. the tight ends were criminally underutilized last year, in my opinion. But I think part of that was just because they were running the ball so freaking much. Um, so that's something that I would say is, is definitely big. You want to see improved quarterback play. I mean, Anthony Brown got a lot of slack last year. A lot of flack rather rather uh, for his play throughout the year. Definitely didn't show up in some really big time moments. But for all of the criticism that he endured, he led the Pac-12 in passing, which is kind of interesting um, when you consider how limited he was as a passer. But you want to see improved quarterback play primarily in the quarterback taking shots, take him downfield, let it rip, get these, get these guys involved down the field, like we saw in the Alamo Bowl with Anthony Brown throwing to Dante Thornton, throwing to Troy Franklin in the corner of the end zone. Like that's, those are the plays you need to see like every game, just see the attempt. That doesn't mean go out and be reckless. Cause that's another thing that you got to think about. Whoever, excuse me, whoever ends up getting the quarterback job looks like Bo Nix right now. You want to see him letting it rip, but also finding that healthy balance, being someone who can take calculated risks, doesn't make a bad play worse. Like Kenny Dillingham has talked about wanting to work on with him, because he's really made a name for himself as one of the most talented quarterbacks when it comes to improvising, when the play breaks down, when you need a big play. But that can get you in trouble. Uh, We've obviously seen that from the past three seasons uh, that he's had at at Auburn. So I think that's another thing you have to look at. Push the ball down the field, I already said that. Um, Let's see here. Another thing that I think is kind of secondary, like it's not like you need to have it, but I feel like Oregon's fully capable of having it, especially with their offensive line. They got to be the top dog when it comes to running the football. Oregon is known as a run first team, even though it looks like this new scheme is going to be more balanced, perhaps even more favorable to the past. But when you think about Oregon, you think about that Oregon offense, they are known for running the ball. Last year they finished number four in the pac 12, which isn't a terrible mark, but you want to be at that top spot. Uh, looking at the rankings right now, you have Utah, Uh, finishing in the lead with 3,034 rushing yards, average of 216.7 a game, 37 rushing touchdowns. UCLA at number two with uh, Zach Charbonnet. That was a really talented backfield with uh, Chip Kelly, 2,582 rushing yards, 215.2 yards a game. Oregon State at three with B.J. Baylor, 2,761 total rushing yards as a team, 212.4 yards per game. 300 sorry 33 rushing touchdowns a game and had Oregon at fourth with 2,880, 2,833 uh rushing yards. I don't know. Oh, okay. This, this was ranked in terms of yards per game, so Oregon wasn't fourth, excuse me, in terms of uh total rushing yards. I think if I'm just looking at it right now, it, it didn't you know rank it for me with the criteria that I was expecting. It was actually um. They finished second in total yards, but fourth in yards per game. So, either way, that still has my point. You want to be the top dog when it comes to to rushing the ball. So, I think that that's important, uh, especially with the running, the offensive line that they have. You got Forsyth, Walk, Sala, Stephen Jones, um, TJ Bass. If You have so many talented guys along the offensive line. Maybe we'll see Connerly, Dave Ewley, some of those guys uh, get in the mix here. I think that that's super important. Ducks got to be. You want to be, maybe don't have to be, you want to be the top rushing team in the Pac-12. That's kind of become the expectation, and and Utah really took that from them last year just in terms of how dominant they were. We're going to take a quick break here on the Duck's Dish podcast. We're already at the 15-minute mark, and there's some more stuff that I want to get into here. Having an awesome time. Uh, If you guys are here watching live, definitely do me a favor, take a second, smash that like and subscribe button so we can help grow the show. That is a tremendous help, but we're gonna take a short, short ad break and I will see you guys on the other side. Stick around.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: All right, here we go. So hitting on some other big points that I think are really important for Oregon football to have a successful season in 2022. This one's kind of interesting and a little bit unique. I put it kind of in that similar uh, sentiment with leading the Pac-12 and rushing, something that's not necessarily required, but you really want to see. You want to see true freshmen seeing the field. You really do. I think that that's something we didn't see as much of last year. Obviously, you want to look at Ty Thompson. A lot of people want to talk about the quarterback battle and and how he wasn't coming in in games. We saw him play the second half of that Stony Brook game, but that was a game that Oregon should have handled a little bit more easily than they maybe did, but Anthony Brown got banged up, and then Ty came in and uh, you know kept things rocking and rolling. But again, Stony Brook had an awesome team. And then against uh, Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, a lot of people were just livid that he wasn't in the game. That would have been his fourth game for what it's worth, and he wouldn't have been able to play in the Alamo Bowl, but – he didn't see the field in the all level, so it doesn't really matter. But I think just in general, you want to see these guys coming in and pushing vets or is pushing for playing time in general and seeing the field maximizing, making the most of those four games. Or maybe they're playing more. Maybe they're so talented that it's worth bringing a fresh uh, red shirt for them, excuse me, as a freshman. Maybe they play five, six, seven, eight, not maybe they start every game. Who knows? Like that's. The, the intrigue that you have with a class that's this talented for Oregon that that wants to get on the, on the field. So I think that that would be really good for Oregon. And, and part of the way they'll do that, I'm going to tell you how they're going to do that. You put these games away, you slam the door on these teams. You're not playing Cal until the the last couple of plays in, in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Stanford maybe isn't as close as it, as it was, um, who, who else can we look at from, from last year? UCLA. I mean, UCLA was a talented team, but Oregon could have easily put that game away a lot sooner than they did. But Anthony Brown threw two interceptions. And then what do you know, we have a close game on our hands again. So those two things kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion, if you're, if you're putting these teams away that you are so much more talented, then Oregon still has the most talented roster. I'd say them and USC in the pac 12 that, you shouldn't be finding yourself in a lot of really, really close games. I think Oregon is going to be favored in most of the games on their schedule. Um, so if you can put these teams away and win big, like you should, like you have in in the past, like, you know, five, five or so years ago, then you'll be able to get some of these true freshmen in and get them some really valuable snaps. I think that Ty Thompson is a great example of this because he has all the potential in the world, but the guy just hasn't played. He hasn't had that many opportunities to see the field and get those meaningful reps to adjust to the speed of the game, to, to work on his processing more, to develop that chemistry more in game with some of these wideouts, um, I think that would, that would really, really help, uh, especially with how young their secondary is, particularly that corner. League. I think that's another area that you want to get a lot of guys playing snaps at. So I think that's big. Another one, sorry if this isn't that organized, I just kind of threw this together. Um, yeah. Look at what Mikey G saying, playing true freshman helps recruiting too. The staff can point to it and sell one of the most important things, important high school recruits and that of course is playing time no coach in their right mind guarantees playing time sure maybe you read that on discussion boards or maybe a recruit says that but no coach in their right mind is guaranteeing a starting job or playing time but like mikey g's comment is saying that here saying here you you can market playing time you know hey this guy came in and started a true freshman and uh won the Heisman or won Pac-12 all defense, Pac-12 first team, whatever it is, something like that. It helps to get those young guys in because then you can also keep marketing it like we're saying here, moving forward. So great, great point. Um, I got a, a comment here for Michael O'Brien. I think the over under for the ducks is eight and a half wins this year. Where do you think they'll end up and what are the matchups to look out for? Yeah. I talked about some of the matchups to look out for obviously Georgia and you got BYU. That's the really big one as well in their non-conference slate. And then you have Utah and Oregon State. Those are some other big games that I'm going to keep my eye on. I think that this is a pretty solid one right now. I don't think I've done their schedule prediction game by game, and I definitely want to have some more time to do some research and and not just throw this out there on the fly. So I think that this is a, a pretty appropriate one right now as far as where their over-under is set at, at 8.5. Um, but yeah, those are some big matchups to watch. Georgia, BYU, Utah, Oregon State. Those are going to be some big ones I'm going to have my eye on. So some other points here is something that I think we saw for the most part last year, but it's going to be really important. And that's just playing disciplined football, not having a lot of penalties. I think that's something that's super important. Are you doing the fundamentals well? Are you executing? Can you be a team that can execute when it matters most? Or do you, do you kind of lose, lose some of your discipline when you're in these big time situations? Are you holding, are you, um is there a pi that's gonna hurt you are you having you know fumbled snaps or wh- wh- whatever it is are you lining up offside like you can't have those and still be a championship level team you want to have that discipline and that execution certainly in the first year for dan landing you want to set the president there set the standard moving forward so i think that's something that the ducks did fairly well last year um and you can po- point to uh Chris Hudson's uh, spinning the ball against Arizona, and then Mario Cristobal just lighting into him on the sideline. Um, Chris Hudson, I just I want to say I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say anything bad about the guy, but obviously that was something that he he uh, would take back if he could. And then he, look how he finished the season, dude just played really really well for Oregon at wide receiver after they lost guys like Micah Pittman, Johnny Johnson the third, and Jalen Red. He stepped up in a big way, but you don't want those things happening. Like that's a good example of having guys that are disciplined. They can act like they've been there before. And they're not costing you uh, with with uh, foolish penalties. What do we have here? Okay, two more points I want to hit on here, and then I'm going to hop out of here. We already got a pretty good group of of people in here, so thank you guys so much for for hopping in the live show. We really appreciate your support. Definitely show us some love. But um, I think another these last two are actually off the field uh, as far as what success looks like in 2022. I think the goal should be, if not the expectation already, recruit the top class in the Pac 12 or no worse than number 2. Nobody in the Pac 12 realistically should be able to hang with Oregon when it comes to recruiting in today's day and age except for USC. I and mean, we saw how easily it has easy it has been for Lincoln Riley to attract players to Los Angeles. I mean, the fact that Clay Helton was as bad of a recruiter as he was is actually laughable. Just look at all those things that you have to market in Los Angeles, you have the beach, you have Hollywood Boulevard, you have the cinema, the the media market, you have the tradition, um, and you know the opportunity now to turn things around and restore the glory, right? So they've kind of been a dumpster fire. I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all, but it's such an easy location, such an easy school to market to these recruits. And uh, there's already a bunch of guys that, that we're seeing overlap on in the 2023 class, uh, who can I think of right now? Just off the top of my head, you got um, Terrence Green, the big time defensive lineman out of Texas. You had Josh Connerly recently, but they were able to win that battle over Lincoln Riley in SC. So that's big. Um, why is he the only guy I can think of right now? I don't know. I just I'm still kind of getting up to speed with things again, back in getting back into recruiting. But you got to keep recruiting at a high level. It's it's the lifeblood of a program. We all know that. And you have to keep, you know, just stocking the cupboard with top offensive weapons. And I think a big part of their 2023 recruiting class is going to be judged on the quarterback, whether that's fair or not. This is your first full cycle. Uh, Kenny Dillingham has really made a name for himself as far as just hitting it off with recruits. All the quarterbacks that I've talked to have spoken really highly of him, whether you're looking at Jaden Rashada, who's no longer considering Oregon, but he did a good job recruiting him. Um, Avery Johnson, I believe, has also spoken highly of, of Kenny Dillingham because he offered him when he was at Florida State. Aiden Child spoke highly of him before he committed to Oregon State after he got some late offers from, like, Oregon and Washington. Um, So I think that, fair or not, they're going to be judged to a degree on what kind of quarterback they can get. Avery Johnson's on campus right now for his official visit. And then you also have Dante Moore, who uh, looked like he was a Notre Dame lean for a really long time, but it doesn't look like Notre Dame leads in that recruitment uh, after talking to some people. Um, It looks like, uh, you know, schools like Texas A&M, LSU – Miami—they're all still looming large in that recruitment. And the thing that's interesting with that—I talked about this on yesterday's show—Avery Johnson wants to be committed before he has the Elite Eleven Finals. Excuse me. That's at the end of this month, and then Dante Moore still taking visits does not have a commitment date set of yet. So I think you gotta keep pushing the pedal to the metal in recruiting, and then similarly to recruiting. I think another thing you want to do is, is send players to the NFL, right? If we're looking at guys that are best positioned to go to the NFL, this is my last point here that I got to get out of here. Uh, you're looking at Noah Sewell, right? He has probably the most hype of anybody on that defense. Definitely some areas of his game to clean up like coverage uh, that I've talked about before. Brandon Dorless definitely looking like a dude. DJ Johnson, I don't think we've seen a lot of draft hype for him, but now that he has a full-time role on defense, I think that the sky is the limit for that guy um who else do we have I mean Justin Flo possibly I don't think that I mean he'd have to have a really really good season just because he hasn't stayed healthy had some terrible injury luck hasn't really been able to put together a big body of work at Oregon of yet but sending guys to the NFL is something that Mario Cristobal and that staff definitely improved at Oregon you saw them doing it at a variety of positions you saw Justin Herbert, Penay Sewell, Kayvon Thibodeau, Verone McKinley like you've got to keep sending guys Javon Holland you gotta keep sending guys to the NFL. That is so oftentimes a determining factor for top-level recruits. They want to go to a school where they can get developed and get to the league. Uh Mikey G is talking about Popo. That's that's definitely another guy that, that's in the consideration on defense. I was really just talking about defense. I don't really know why I didn't mention any offensive guys. Um, but offensively, you you have to look at the offensive line, right? Forsyth, walk, bass. Sala declared for the NFL draft and then ended up coming back. So there's plenty of guys that are going to be in that conversation and can really raise their stock with another strong season in 2022, especially if they play well in some of those big games that I mentioned, like BYU, Georgia, and Utah. Maybe they get to a championship game. Maybe they go to a big time bowl. So uh, yeah, man, that was, that was a lot of stuff really fast. I uh, appreciate you guys hanging in there with me and joining us live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. I'm going to get out of here. A quick little episode today. We went for almost two hours yesterday with Spencer McLaughlin. That was uh, definitely one of my favorite episodes in a long time. So if you guys haven't listened to that or watched that yet, definitely go check that out. And a uh, reminder to drop a like and subscribe on the channel. And then go head over to ducksdigest.com. I got a full visitor list for this weekend that I just posted today. Uh, so you definitely want to check that out and see who's coming to Oregon. And then a reminder to subscribe to Ducks Digest for the latest recruiting interviews. Going to be ramping that up now that I'm back in the States from vacation. And then um, big favor for you guys is just like and share the podcast. Share it with other Duck fans, other family members, um, whoever it is. We're just trying to grow the community, grow the show. Really appreciate all the support we've been seeing. It is just great. To be back and uh rocking and rolling covering the ducks so i uh, appreciate you guys for stopping by watching on youtube if you're on the replay also appreciate you watching and we will catch you guys in the next episode take care
2: it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing